Welcome to The Productivity Show, the Asian efficiency podcast dedicated to helping you make the most of your time, attention, energy, and focus. In this episode, Brooks and I talk about mind mapping versus outlining, the advantages and disadvantages of each approach, recommended tools for each, and when to use each effectively. This is an important topic because knowing when to use the right tool for the job can result in a better product or more complete picture when you use the correct perspective. Oftentimes, just changing your approach to a problem results in a better solution. And in this episode, we share how we've effectively used different techniques for different situations and share some of our mistakes so you don't have to repeat them. This is one of the original topics in the dojo, and we dive deep into the process of ideation and planning and share our own experiences of how we've used each effectively. You can find links to everything that we talk about and share in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 131. And now, on with the show. So this is another dojo-inspired episode and was one of the first things to be brought up in the forum. In fact, I think the conversation on this topic started in the Facebook group before we officially even moved to our current forum platform. And that topic is mind mapping. Specifically, we're going to be talking about mind mapping versus outlining and the advantages of each as well as when and how to use them effectively. You ready to dive in, Brooks? I'm ready. I'm uh, disturbingly passionate about this topic, so I'm ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know you mentioned that you're a big mind mapper. Oh, yeah. Uh, So maybe what we should do is, first of all, start by defining what mind mapping is for people who maybe aren't familiar with it. Uh, And really the idea here is that it's a form of radiant thinking, which is defined by the creator of the term mind map. I think it's Tony Buzan. I I pasted a link to the Wikipedia article, Uh, but it's really just putting like a central theme in the middle of your paper or the middle of your space and then surrounding it with all of these thoughts that are linked to it. It's a little bit different way of thinking about a topic or about a problem. Uh, David Sparks defines it this way. He says a mind map is visually looking at ideas and their connections and relationships with each other. So mind mapping uh, is kind of a tool that people started using just to get a different perspective on how they were approaching problems. And it's kind of evolved from there where it's now a very, uh, it can be a very sophisticated process. Yeah. I never considered myself a visual person, but somehow mind mapping just spoke to me and it's being able to have ideas down and see the connections between them and build on them. It's super powerful. Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of different tools that you can use to do this, which we'll get to in a moment. But first, let's start with the process of mind mapping. So, and Brooks, I'll kind of, we'll go through these points and then maybe you can jump in and add any color commentary you want, because I know you said that you've been doing this for a long time. Uh, So you really start with a central topic and that could be the title of a blog post. Uh, We use this when we're planning out our products for Asian efficiency. So we'll have the name of the product in the middle of the mind map. And then from there, we'll create supporting ideas as what are called nodes. And really, these are like a whole bunch of different thought bubbles that are tied together by lines. You continue to work outward by creating what are called child nodes. So child nodes are one level further than the parent nodes. So when you first start your mind map, you've got one thing in the middle of your page. Uh, let's just use like the productivity blueprint, for example, because that's, I think, the first thing I saw 
in terms of mind maps for Asian efficiency. They've got the productivity blueprint in the middle. And then from there, we've got child nodes for the four different areas. So procrastination, uh, focus and self-discipline, things like that. And then those would be the child nodes. But then even inside those different nodes, there are more child nodes, which are fleshing out those different ideas. And when you have these nodes that are on the same hierarchical level, those are called sibling nodes. And then one level up from those are called parent nodes. Yeah. And what you're going to find as you're creating these mind maps is they just lend themselves to, to building on ideas. So you're going to jot down some, probably some, you'll create the central node, you'll jot down some child nodes, and then you, you almost can't help it. You just keep going, building off of uh, childs and childs and childs and siblings and siblings and siblings. And it really lets you very quickly build out a model of what you're trying to brainstorm. Yeah. And really the, the beauty of mind mapping is that once you start that process, that kind of happens automatically, like because it's not just in a linear list, like a traditional outline, which we'll get to in a little bit. And there are definitely use cases for that approach as well. But uh, when you start in the middle and then you just kind of branch out from there, you'll your brain will go a lot of places that you maybe wouldn't have if you had those other constraints in place. Sure. I, you know, if you're thinking of productivity blueprint as an example, if you were thinking of procrastination, let's say, you wouldn't necessarily get down to three levels below like you you just wouldn't think of that idea but as you work your way out you will get there eventually yep and it takes advantage of a process which we actually wrote about on the blog so we'll put the the link here to the uh, brainstorming and mind maps page uh, in the show notes but uh, in the article it talks about divergent versus convergent thought and divergent thought happens at the beginning of the mind mapping process And that's basically when you have a whole bunch of free-flowing ideas and you're not making any value judgments about whether this thing is good or bad or whether it belongs. There's no real relationships or connections necessarily at that point between your thoughts. You're just throwing these things on the paper or throwing them on the the grid if you're using a digital mind mapping tool. Uh, And then later, as you begin to get all of these things, you kind of switch modes and you go into what is called convergent thinking. And now you've got a set of rules that you're operating within and you're trying to find the best solutions based on what you have to work with. Yeah, I have to admit, I actually, when I first read that article, I I learned a lot from that article and it'll be linked in the show notes, of course, because I had been doing mind maps for a long time before I read it, but I never thought of this idea. And the idea, the central idea in the article is if you want to, like we were saying, mind maps are great for creativity, but if you really want to boost that creativity even more, instead of doing what most people do and what I certainly always had done, which is, like we said, start from the central idea and then start making connections outward, instead put down a bunch of un, uh, unconnected ideas first, so almost a bunch of different central ideas in a certain way, and then look at building out your connections. And that will enhance that divergent thinking. And that's something I had never really thought about before. Yeah, and we'll get to some of the different tools that you can use for this. A lot of the digital tools, they actually have the lines already in place. And obviously on a computer, for example, being able to drag things around, the the lines will rearrange 
uh, as you move things around, which is kind of nice. But there's also some different tools that really are built on that premise and they don't tie the things together as you're making the uh, the initial mind map. So it it doesn't force you into the convergent thought right out of the bat. Um, so if you really do get, get stuck when you see those lines, which I can totally see happening for, for certain people, then uh, there are some tools that you can use to kind of combat that. But mind mapping, really the idea here is that helps you to see the same information in a new way and make connections that you really wouldn't have done before. So Brett Terpstra actually wrote about this. He said that with a mind map, scattered thoughts begin to solidify before my eyes. And I've kind of noticed that too, as I've embraced this in different roles and different capacities within my everyday workflow. Uh, And it's supposedly the science behind this. and, And I can see a case being made for this, but I don't fully understand all of it. So uh, it's supposedly more whole brain friendly because you've got the the divergent thought at the beginning. That's where you're using, I believe it'd be the right side of your brain where you're just picking out ideas out of thin air. And then uh, you kind of switch to the left side of the brain when you start to reorder these things and put them in an organized fashion. Would you say that's that's accurate? In my extensive scientific experience and expertise, that sounds about right to me. <laughs> all right. So we've talked about what my mapping is, uh, the process for getting started and why you might want to use it. But now we, w- we should talk a little bit about some of the different types of mind maps, and then we'll get into some of the different uh, use cases for this. Uh, because mind mapping is going to be a great tool for certain use cases, but it's not going to be the perfect tool for everything. And really what we want to do with this episode is give you the knowledge to know when to use the right tool for the job. So... There's really, uh, I just did a little bit of research on the internet and it kind of looked like people were breaking this down. They had different terms for these different types of mind maps, but really uh, most of the sources that I found broke it down into a couple different types of mind maps, library mind maps, presentation mind maps, and planning mind maps. Okay. So we'll break these down one by one. And like I said, the titles for these tend to differ a little bit, but the concepts are basically the same. So let's start with the library mind maps. Library mind maps can also be called reference maps. And these are basically used to organize information. So you can have a clear and a visual understanding of the subject without missing anything. Uh, And this is probably what most people think of when they think of mind maps. They think of, you know, the central, central thought and then just this big intricate web of ideas that are kind of surrounding that. And when you zoom out and you look at it from a from a macro view, or I guess that'd be a micro view. There's all these different nodes all over the place and they don't really seem to communicate any sort of story until you start to drill down in there. Uh, and really the purpose of this library mind map is to sort and organize the information that you've collected for this particular mind map so you can have a better understanding of the subject. So it's kind of used for for reference. It's designed to have all of the different things and not just like the big main ideas, which is what you would use in some of the other types of mind maps. Yeah. And uh, I guess it would fall under this category. This is one thing I do when I'm reading books. This is actually how I take notes when I'm reading a book that I want to take notes on. If you can imagine this, visualize this, I'm sitting there reading either my paper book or my Kindle or whatever, and then I've got my phone or my iPad beside me. And as I'm going through and jotting down notes, I'm doing it in a mind map. And then when it's done and I go and I have a 
a schedule, a kind of a set schedule where I review the notes from the books that I read. I go back every certain periods of time and I go back and look at that mind map and it's really easy to absorb the information because it's in that visual structured format. Yeah, I know Tan has mentioned his approach to mind mapping books and articles and things like that too. And I think that that's a really great idea. If you really want to glean as much as you possibly can from whatever you happen to be studying or whatever you happen to be reading, uh, I don't personally do this. I think that it's a little bit overkill. I find that there's always more books to read, so I never <laughs> have the time to go back and revisit uh, notes on a particular book. I do tend to reread certain books. Uh, for example, Getting Things Done by David Allen is something not that I will read every year, I, though I know people who do that, but like he just came out with a, a, an updated version not too long ago, maybe a year or two years ago. So uh, I reread it and a lot of the core concepts are the same uh, and it brought a lot of that stuff to remembrance. But I have to confess that I have not taken this approach to outlining and diagramming the books that I read, although I, I do see a, a lot of benefit with that. Maybe you can talk about some specific benefits, Brooks, that you've gotten from using that approach. Well, one thing I used to find is I would read a book and I would be, ah, oh, this is great. But then I would never really go back to it. And I wouldn't, you know, a while after reading it, I mean, sure, there are certain core concepts that would stick. But if you would ask me, you know, a couple of weeks later, hey, what was what are some things you you liked from that book? I, I just wouldn't be able to recall it. So this way, the way I kind of do it, it allows me to go back and and it's almost like it's almost like uh, Christmas. You know, you get <laughs> you're getting these gifts again when you go back every whatever <laughs> at three months a year or two years whatever and you're like oh yeah that's right that was a good point and and i find it really really helpful i know a lot of people find helpful from just taking notes or jotting in the in the margins of books and stuff like that and that's totally cool too but this is just something that i started doing and it works well for me nice yeah i tend to just jot down the notes that i that stand out to me when i read books in a, in an app called shelf mm. for ios right and I like it because it's got a button where when you're done, you mark it as completed and then you can go and you can see like pictures of all of the digital books that you have, you have read, uh, so far. Uh, and that's, that's kind of, kind of fun, but nice. yeah, I totally see a, a use case for that. I know other people will do like a book index right. where they'll highlight things and then they'll just write down the page numbers and the topic in the back of the book. But, uh, yeah, this is definitely one way to make sure that you retain some information when you are reading. Uh, the next type of mind map is called a presentation mind map. So this is something that's going to be quite a bit different. This mind map is used to present the process of an idea to an audience. So these will typically try to illustrate the way that the project goes in order to track steps. Uh, and therefore, the focus of the presentation mind map is the audience instead of the topic. So you're kind of approaching it a different way. And the information should be positioned in this particular kind of mind map, depending on whether the audience can understand it or not. So you want it to have a very logical flow and feel as you progress from one node to the next. And if the audience can follow with the way that you're presenting, then the map is well-structured. Uh, and I know you mentioned a tool here, which really just illustrates this concept. So we'll get to the tools in a little bit, but I want to bring this up because I think a lot of people are probably familiar with this tool. And this is really the perfect example of this would be Prezi. Now I've used Prezi once or twice. Do you have more experience with that? 
Not really, but it's funny how these things are sometimes go in trends. I, I felt like there was a while there a couple of years ago where all of a sudden you'd see it everywhere. A lot of people were experimenting with it. And what Prezi is, is exactly what Mike, you were saying is you, I don't think it, you, you have to use mind maps, but it's commonly used with mind maps where you build mm-hmm. your presentation in mind map format. And then you can present it to an audience but the way it works is it kind of focuses on the different nodes and it zooms around the the mind map and so you can talk about what's happening as it's kind of zooming around uh so it's just a different way to to present information than your normal keynote or powerpoint slides uh and yeah prezi is really popular i i don't feel like you see it as much anymore uh but but it's definitely in certain situations it can be pretty powerful yeah, I feel like pretty much everybody has gone through, everyone who's familiar with Prezi anyways, uh, has discovered the tool and thought, this is awesome. And they've built a presentation in it. And then the second presentation they build in it, they feel, they say, oh, this feels pretty stale. And then they move on to something else. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, but Prezi, yeah, it, the first time you see it, and I think I did actually a presentation or video this way for uh, GTD, for Asian Efficiency, where you've got your mind map and you've got all these different nodes. And, and basically as you are cycling through your slides. So each, each node is basically numbered like a slide in keynote or PowerPoint. It's moving the entire area of focus to that particular node. And first time you see it, you're like, Oh, Hey, that's kind of cool. And then after you've gone through 40 slides like that, it starts to get a little bit old, (laughs) but that is exactly what a presentation mind map is supposed to be. Exactly. All right. Next type of mind map is a planning mind map. Uh, One of the other names I saw for this is a tunnel timeline map. And this is kind of used for project strategy, program planning, or problem solving. It's typically designed to achieve a specific goal. And the purpose is usually to visualize success. So you've got the main topic, that's the outcome that you are pursuing. And then each subtopic is going to represent a path to achieve that outcome. And then you can follow that map to make progress towards your your goals and achieve success. So this is going to be along the lines of goal setting. And I really don't know that I've seen many people do this successfully. This seems like it would be really fidgety. Uh, It'd take a lot of updating. And I think it's probably just more work than than it's worth. Yeah, I've never, I've never done it. I mean, I, I've, I use mind maps uh, heavily for planning. Um, in fact, that's what I've been doing almost the whole day today before we started recording this. But uh, in this specific way of kind of moving towards a goal in that way, I, I've never done that. That I, I would love to hear uh, if people want to leave comments or something. I'd love to hear if people have have done this successfully, but I personally haven't. Yeah, the way that I typically mind map is I'll throw all my ideas down in a mind map, but then I'm not going to use the mind map to manage the project from that point forward, uh, which is really what this is saying is that you can just check off all these all these nodes, you know, I've, I've done with this one. And, and I see where this can be applied, you know, like, for example, we could have taken this approach when we were working on a product like Escape Your Email, because we knew exactly which videos we needed to create. And theoretically, we could have started with escape your email in the middle and then had the different areas of emphasis as child nodes underneath that and then all the individual videos underneath that. But as you know, because you helped me with a lot of the production of the escape your email course, there's a lot of moving pieces there. 
you know, I'm working on an outline, then I'm handing it off to you and you're getting the key visuals and I'm reviewing and it's just not effective for that type of project management. You know, if you had one person who's working on one specific thing, one specific project, I could see that maybe this would work. But I think at some point, if you're going to use this, especially in a team setting, you've got to get it into a task management application. Yeah. Like I plan out, uh, if I'm making a product or, or a project or something like that, I, I plan it out exactly as you describe, you know, you, the central product, for example, in the middle and then the modules and then what I want in each module. You know, I do plan that out with a mind map, but then and modern mind map programs, which we'll talk about in a bit, do make this a bit more possible because you can turn them into to do's and stuff like that. So I think a lot of these tools are trying to 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 be this, but that that's not for me. Once I have it all mapped out, I get it the heck out of the mind map into something else <laughs> and then start executing, executing off a mind map. Uh, that, yeah, that's not for me. Right. And in fact, uh, one of the uses for mind mapping, which we'll kind of talk about some of these different uses now, um, specifically pertaining to project management. Uh, I know you mentioned that you're a mind node user. I use mind node as well. And one of the things that MindNode came out with, I believe it was last summer, they added OmniFocus integration. So what you can do in MindNode is you can select a node and you can check the box to make it a task. And then everything that you have marked as tasks, you can hit a button, you can export it to OmniFocus and everything in the hierarchical format. So maintaining parent node, child node formatting all of that will be transferred over to OmniFocus. Uh, and that's really as far as I would take project management in a mind mapping application. But it is pretty nice to, as you're thinking about your project and identifying what are the things you need to do, you can just toggle those things. You know, not, every, not everything's going to be a task. Maybe there's just some reference material in there that you want to have a record of it because you had a thought about this particular thing and you don't want to do anything with it right now. But you have the ability to identify your tasks and then just hit a button and then have it send all of those tasks straight to your task management system. Again, assuming that it's OmniFocus, but uh, that that's a pretty cool functionality in, inside of MindNode. Yeah, it's an amazing feature. I wish I could go back in time and use it for the last few years as well. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's talk about some of these other uses for mind mapping. And again, there's a link to an article here, which uh, we'll, we'll put in the show notes for everyday mind mapping uses over on Asian Efficiency First one here is brainstorming and ideation. And this is probably the most popular way that I, well, I'll speak for myself, I guess. Uh, this is probably the way that I use mind mapping most often when I am going to sit down and write an article or like we were working on the master classes for some of the escape your email bonuses recently. Uh, this was the process that I used. I would sit down and I would mind map the different features in the different areas of emphasis, uh, basically the different areas we would need videos. And then underneath there, we'd have the individual items that we would need to make sure that we covered inside of the videos. Ultimately, that got turned into an outline inside of Confluence. But uh, usually that process starts for me with uh, a mind mapping application. Yep. Same here. That's exactly what I, what I use it for. And this is an area, I mean, we'll, again, we'll talk about this soon, but this is an area where these these software products really shine because just the way they work, it makes it really fast to, to build out your, your content map essentially. Yep. And, uh, I would argue that mind mapping on an iPad in particular 
is really effective because there's something about just like putting your finger on the screen and just dragging the thing around. It feels like you are physically manipulating your ideas. That is really, really effective. I mean, obviously you can do this on your Mac or your PC as well. Um, but I personally find that using my own, the iOS version is great for brainstorming and ideation because it, it's, you have, you feel like you have a direct connection with the ideas that you're, you're manipulating. Yeah. I found the exact same thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, second area or when to use mind mapping would be problem solving. Uh, this is a little bit similar to brainstorming and ideation, but uh, the way that you're going about this is you're putting the problem that you have in the center of your mind map, and then you're just basically brainstorming ideas for potential solutions and putting those around it. And then from there, Obviously, you can do, as Benjamin Franklin would call it, the moral algebra, <laughs> the pros and the cons of the different approaches. But just seeing all of those different ideas on the same level where you haven't made any value uh, value judgments about which ideas are better yet uh, can be pretty powerful and can really be eye-opening. Yeah, and, and again, going back to what we were saying earlier, it allows you to come up with solutions, possible solutions anyway, that you may not have thought of right away when you started. Yep, absolutely. Third one here, content creation. Talked about this one a little bit already, but I find that this is an absolute great way for me to leverage the power of mind mapping. Using mind mapping to develop content is much more effective for me in the way my brain works than sitting down and trying to create an outline from scratch. I don't know if it's just because my outlines tend to be long and I don't see everything at once, but uh, Starting with my content idea, whether that's a blog post or a video or what have you, having that be the, the center node and then just flushing out the ideas from there, uh, usually it results in a very comprehensive piece of content. Oh, yeah. If uh, almost any content, if it's a quick blog post or something, I don't tend to do it, but almost any really long blog post, certainly any any uh, book or or other long form piece of content I do. Uh, just today, actually, I received a shipment from a, a magazine article that I had written, uh, and that uh, that whole article started as a as a mind map. Uh, I, I can't even think of a better way that you would come up with all the, the content than a mind map. Right. Uh, next one here is meeting notes. Now, this is something that I have seen done, but I have to confess, this does not work for me. Do you use mind mapping for meeting notes ever? No, I've I've never done it. I'm I just take regular old notes uh, as our forefathers did. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can see how tradition. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can see how I can see how it would be good for meeting notes, but to me, I I feel like I would I either miss stuff because it it would be a bit too fiddly. Or, um, yeah, it's just not as fast. So I haven't done it. Yeah. The, the thing with the meeting notes for me is that, uh, usually in a meeting, I want to present the information in a specific order, which mind mapping tends to not really care what's, what the order really is. Uh, just, it has all of these different nodes, which kind of complete the idea and you can do them in any order that you want, uh, as long as you're still within the, the hierarchy. So, uh, for me, meeting notes really doesn't, doesn't work, but if you are trying to just capture ideas from a particular meeting, uh, this could be really effective. Yeah. I guess maybe it's kind of the format of the types of meetings that we typically have that this really doesn't 
fit for me, but I find it easier just to create an outline as I go and just add to the bottom. Yeah. Where, where it's also good is, is coming up with action items or planning out action items after a meeting. Uh, you could l- review your notes or the notes that were provided and then start working on how the heck you're going to do all these action items that you just agreed to. So that is a way of, I could see a mind map being handy for meetings. Yeah, definitely. Uh, next one we talked a little bit about already, the book and the media summaries. Was there anything else you wanted to add to this? No, not really. I think I think we've I think we covered it all. Excellent. Okay. And then project management, which we talked a little bit about, and uh, specifically the MindNode and OmniFocus integration. I think that really encapsulates perfectly the handoff between mind mapping being effective for collecting all of these things. And then, okay, now we have to implement this. Now we've got to get it into basically an outline type of format inside of our task manager where things are hierarchical and this thing needs to be first. And then we do the next thing and the next thing. I really think that my node has, has nailed that. Uh, and then the last one here is planning, which we talked a, a little bit about already. Um, so do you have any specific examples of when you've used a mind node to plan a big project? Sure. Uh, pretty much all the, the stuff I did for say, escape your email, uh, or the product, the projects we're working on, uh, I've done with a, a mind map. So I would sit there and I would say, okay, this is the module I'm going to create. These are the different pieces of content I'm going to create. And so I'll list those out as as childs of the uh, children, I guess you would say, as that topic. And then for each child, I would make uh, an further children off of that, thinking up um, the the different pieces of information I want to relay. So that's an example of how I would use it for planning. Yeah, there's a, a mind map I believe that I can put in the show notes. Uh, it's a we use a tool called MindMeister, and we're going to get into the tools here in just a second. Uh, when we put together the Escape Your Email course, basically what we did is we did a survey to identify people's pain points, and then we did interviews with all of those people, read through all the transcripts, and uh, Tan and I articulated specifically what the problems they were having were, and then also what the potential solutions would be. So there's a mind map where it has Escape Your Email in the middle, and then it's got the different areas like... FOMO, uh, other people, stuff like that. And then from there, the problem, and then there's a child node from the, the, the problem for the actual solution. And so we did that for all of the different problems that people had and identified uh, potential solutions. And then from there, we started testing those solutions and then creating the videos for those solutions. Uh, but that obviously didn't end up being the tool that we use to track of track our progress, it just kind of influenced the tasks that we created inside of our task manager. But that would, I think that's a really effective way to use a mind map for planning. Another example I, I just thought of is one thing mind maps can be really good for when it comes to planning is getting stuff out of your head and uh, almost triaging. So I went through this situation uh, back in 2014 where I just had these, all these, um, all these big projects and big things that I 
I felt and I was kind of feeling overwhelmed. So I thought, okay, I, I just need to figure this out. So I, I sat down at my, at my mind mapping tool and I created this mind map called, and I called it at the time, 2014 Big Rocks. <laughs> and I just listed the <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six kind of big things that I, that I wanted to do for the rest of the year. And then from there, just like, what are the key things I needed to do to accomplish all of them? And so I, once I had that mind mapped out, I didn't feel overwhelmed anymore because I had right in front of me the different things I needed to do. And then it was just a matter of, okay, once, once that's down, then it's a matter of figuring out, you know, how the heck I'm going to do them. But at least that feeling of overwhelm was gone because I had it all in front of me. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, a lot of times people do feel overwhelmed because they think that they've got all of these things that they have to do. And maybe you do have a bunch of things that you need to do, but if you're able to get all of it out in front of you at the same time, and mind mapping is a great tool to do that, then once you can see it all, you can say, oh, actually, it's not as bad as I thought it was. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So maybe people want to start implementing mind mapping. Uh, what are some of the tools or apps that they might use to do this? Well, I, I would be willing to bet that the most common way to mind map out there is just with paper. A lot of people really like doing it just, uh, you know, some of the good things about that is you can do it anywhere, obviously. All you need is a piece of paper and a, a writing implement. And it can you can really quickly build out, sketch out a, a mind map. And I, I bet I would be willing to bet that that's the com most common way to do it. Um, it's not for me personally, because I, I feel like the one thing you miss when you're jotting down a mind map on paper is I, I find myself often moving things around and building mm -hmm. on ways that I wouldn't have built on and reorganizing stuff. And that's more difficult to do with paper. It's not that you can't do it, but that's one reason why I like using an app. But it, it I, we did have to mention it because it is a very common way to do it. Right. And actually the same thing applies to outlining as well. Mm. I mean, if you're creating an outline and you're like, oh, I want to put another point in there. If you're using a pen and paper, you're stuck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I will say that if you've never done this before, definitely try it on paper first, because if you, you can see if it's going to work for you, you know, it may not be perfect first time you do it. It's not gonna be perfect first time you use a digital tool either. Uh, but just the fact that you've done it, you know, if you create this system and it works for you on paper pencil, then you can use digital tools to make the process more efficient. Oftentimes I think people just go for the digital tools and they invest a whole bunch of money and time to learn the digital tools. And then it's like, Oh, this really doesn't work for me. So paper pencil, great place to start any productivity system. I would argue, because if you can implement the basics there, even task management, basic to-do list, if you've never done a to-do list before, do it on paper pencil and then from there, you can get more sophisticated digital tools, which will reduce some of the friction. For sure. Uh, next one we mentioned was MindNode. Uh, this is an app for Mac and iOS. It is, I believe, $30 for the Mac and $10 for iOS. Uh, the iOS version is really sharp. If you have an iPad Pro and an Apple Pencil, uh, this is a really, really powerful application and definitely worth the $10. Uh, the Mac version is great too. I mentioned the Mac version also has the OmniFocus integration. So if you wanted to create your mind map and then just toggle on the tasks for the items that actually you need to do something with, you can just press a button and then it imports everything into OmniFocus for you. Yeah, MindNote is what I use. And one thing I really like about it is just the seamless sync between Mac and, and iOS using iCloud. So you can start on something on your Mac, do it 
you know, do a bit on iOS and then come back to your Mac and it just all works together seamlessly. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's a really nice feature. Uh, another tool is MindMeister. This is an online mind mapping tool. And this, I believe the basic version at least is free. So if you wanted to try a digital tool, uh, definitely check out MindMeister. And it's got a, a lot of great features. Uh, Brett Terpster, I know, is a huge fan of MindMeister. And they've even got different tools that tie into it, like Meister Task, I believe, which is kind of does the same thing that MindNode does with OmniFocus. You can identify things inside of your mind map that you want to turn into tasks, and then you've got a task management app that goes with it. Uh, next one here is iThoughts X or iThoughts, I guess. Maybe they dropped the X. I'm not sure. This is something that I've used in the past. This is a really, really powerful Mac app. And if you are all in on mind mapping, you might want to check this out. Uh, on the, the website, they've got a list of all of the crazy fancy features. And some of it is really, really cool. But it is also not going to have as great of a user interface as MindNode. And for most people, MindNode is going to be more than enough. Um, so iThoughts X is actually $50 if you buy it standalone, but it is also part of the new SetApp service. So SetApp, S-E-T-A-P-P.com is uh, being billed as the Netflix for apps. And it's a service where you can download and use a lot of very awesome Mac apps. Like I believe Ulysses is in there. What's the one I use all the time? iStat Menus. Uh, things like that. So for $9.99 a month, basically, you get all of the updates to all of these different applications. So uh, I would definitely take a look at that. And if there's other applications in there that you wanted to try, then maybe take iThoughts for a spin. Have you used iThoughts? I haven't used the Mac version. I I That was my original iPad mind mapper. I, I was a big iThoughts X user. Actually, it was originally called iThoughts HD. And so I yep. use that uh, very heavily. And then um, I wanted a solution for the Mac as well. And uh, it, uh, the aforementioned David Sparks was posting about MindNode. And one thing I liked about it is uh, it was less expensive, uh, frankly. But also, um, <laughs> yeah, the user interface looked so nice uh, that I decided to try MindNode out. And I haven't switched back. But it's definitely powerful, I thought. That's for sure. Yep. Uh, next one on the list is Scapple, and Scapple is an application by Literature and Latte, the people who make Scrivener. It is $14.99, and this one specifically, when you create new nodes, it does not draw the lines between them. This one is built on the idea of just getting everything on your page and then creating the links between them. I've used this a little bit. I don't find this that useful, but I totally get it for some people who don't want to don't want those things being linked and they don't want to be forced down those specific thought channels. Uh, this could be a really powerful tool. Have you used Scapple at all? Uh, no, haven't used it. No. Okay. Uh, next one I know you have used. You put this one on the list. Yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to FreeMind, which was my very first mind mapping program. That is a free open source program. It's based on Java, and I actually just used it for the first time in years. The other day, I needed to import a certain file, and FreeMind was the only free way I could think to do it because I wanted to convert it. 
it is one ugly application. Like I hate to say it, it looks like <laughs> it looks like a, a, a free open source application. I'll just say that. Uh, but it's functional and it definitely has its fans. I have a friend who still swears by it. He started using it when I did back in whatever year it was, 2007 or something. Uh, and he still uses it. So I just wanted to mention it. Uh, another one that we did not put on this list is MindJet, but I know that Tan has used that one for years. I'm not sure if he still uses it. Uh, it's very expensive, though, and so if you're just getting into mind mapping, definitely don't start there. Uh, also, in my opinion, the interface isn't that great, but Tan's not here to extol the virtues <laughs> of, of MindJet, so <laughs> we'll skip over that one for now. Uh, and then the last one on the list here was Prezi which you mentioned starts at four ninety two per month per person. That sounds like a Canadian dollar. I'm price. not sure. Sometimes these websites do that to me. They, they give me the Canadian pricing. So I'm, I'm not exactly sure uh, <laughs> if that's the American one or, or what. But anyway, all to say around four to five dollars if you pay annually, it starts. And then there is that's for the lowest plan. And then there's uh, up to a premium plan. And they even have a, a larger business plan that they don't show pricing for, which which means you'd probably don't want to know. <laughs> right. So that's mind mapping. Uh, let's talk now a little bit about outlining. Now, most people are probably pretty familiar with the concept of outlining. I think this is something, at least in the U.S., that they teach in schools. Uh, but the definition of an outline is literally the boundary or the shape of an object. So if you think about it through that lens, you know, you have this article or this paper that you want to write, an outline can give you the skeleton and then you can flesh out the details later. Now, for certain projects, mind mapping is going to do that more efficiently. But in my experience, when it comes to actually putting in all of the details underneath those individual points, like once you have the big main ideas from a mind map, you really want to drill down and have all of the information there that's where an outline comes in. Um, I know, Brooks, you mentioned that you're kind of team mind map, but <laughs> do you use outlining specifically for any sort of projects? Well, I was kind of thinking about it and not really, except to say that a lot of my outlines, I, I have uh, my nodes set a certain way that I use smart layout and have all the nodes on the right. So basically it's the way I do it is like a visual outline in a certain way. I don't have I don't have uh, nodes flying all over the place. And one times I have used outlining is if I want to share the information with someone and have them run with it, like maybe put it in a Google Doc or whatever. What I will often do is export the mind map that I create and as a text file and it basically exports it as an outline. So that's, that's the way I tend to use outlining. It's actually, it's interesting that you mentioned the Google doc. I mean, we're using a Google doc for our show notes as we record this episode and this is an outline. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the outline typically tends to be better used when something needs to go in a linear flow. Mm. And that's going to make more sense in certain use cases, like when recording a podcast, for example. If we just had these nodes all over the place, then I wouldn't know which node you're going to jump to next and vice versa. But because we have this outline, we kind of know exactly what comes next. Uh, and then also, I use outlines all the time when I am giving presentations. So I posted on social media recently that uh, I am I just had finished my competent communicator for Toastmasters. So as part of that, you know, you have to give a series of speeches, which are generally between five and 10 minutes. And when I am creating those speeches, I always do it 
in an outline format because I want a very linear flow to how I tell the story or present the information. And then, uh, you know, step up from that would even be something like the uh, escape your email inbox zero presentations that as we're recording this, I did yesterday. Each of those presentations was almost two hours long. <laughs> uh, and that was an outline that I used inside of Omni Outliner. If I were to try to do that presentation using a mind map, I would have no clue where I was supposed to go <laughs> next because those things would jump all over the place. But it's very simple in an outline format because I just have to keep scrolling down the page and I know exactly what's supposed to come next. So the process for an outline, uh, a lot of people probably know this already, but just real briefly, there's a couple different steps. First of all, you got to choose the topic and you got to determine the larger purpose. So usually for me, if I'm creating an outline, for example, that's going to be the title of the talk or the presentation that I'm going to give. Second, you develop a list of talking points that you hope to get across. And this is where a digital tool really comes in handy because you can go ahead and put those in as you know, one level down, and then you can go and you can flesh those out later. Uh, paper, pencil, you're kind of stuck once you get those on the paper. Then you got to organize your main points into a structure that makes sense. And I do find frequently that when I am outlining my talks and presentations, I'll be going through it and I'll be like, ah, that flow just doesn't really feel right. And I'll take an entire section and move it to the beginning or the end of my, my talk. And I'll rearrange my talking points like that. Uh, and then fourth, uh, flesh out your main points. So this is really easy to do in a tool like Omni Outliner. I, you know, Typically, I'll have the, the main points. And then uh, underneath all of those, I'll just go to town and, and write as many sub bullets in there as I, I can possibly think of that pertain to that particular topic. And then finally review and adjust. So like I said, you're going to want to rearrange things, decide that this part of your speech or presentation actually belongs in this other area. And as long as you've got a digital tool, that's pretty easy to do. So we talked a little bit about why you might use outlining already, but uh, really the big thing is that linear flow. That's going to make more sense in some use cases, like we mentioned, planning a talk or presentation, uh, or in this particular case right now, show notes for a podcast episode. But when you use an outline, it will very easily give you high to low level of details. So what that means is that if you're going to drill down into a particular topic, you know that you're going to go from point A to point B to point C to point D. Whereas if you've got four different nodes child nodes emanating from a parent node, you don't necessarily know which one of those you're supposed to go to next. And even in, if you were to know which ones were to go to next, maybe you labeled them one, two, three, four. Typical mind mapping applications don't have a standard format for how those get displayed in terms of the order that you, you want to go through them, uh, at least in my experience. Have you found anything to the contrary? Yeah, only if you use something like I was saying earlier, like the smart layout and having things to the right, or you have to manually drag them around, which it just becomes fiddly. Like if that's your goal to have this linear thing, you're probably you're right. An outline is probably a, a better solution than dragging things around manually. Yeah. And to tell you the truth, I never really thought of that hybrid approach, but that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you could have the mind map on the left and the outline on the right. And that kind of gives you a more complete picture for a lot of things. I still don't think I'm going to use a mind map for when I do webinars or presentations, mm, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could see, I could see it being useful. Yep. Uh, also many outlining programs use a standard format called OPML. Yeah. Which makes it very easy to import and export data. 
Sounds like you've got some experience with this. Yeah, th- this is something that actually, um, I don't know if you're familiar with a guy named Dave Weiner. He's been talking about this since the the start of blogging, essentially. He's he's made many outlining programs and even, even his website is built on, on outlines. And essentially what it is, is all these different outlining tools and even tools that aren't directly outlining, most of them support a standard called OPML. So this really makes it easy to create an outline in one program, import it to something else, or even a lot of mind map programs will let you export OPML. And so this used to be the way that you would have to, for example, take something from, take a mind map from um, iThoughts, let's say iThoughts X, like we talked about, and export it to OPML. And then you could do some crazy Apple script to import it to uh, OmniFocus, for example. But having this standard called OPML means that you can do a lot of things with your outlining data other than just display it. It's very portable. Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad you brought up that mind, mind mapping applications allow you to export to OPML because I think that if you're going to be mind mapping, uh, especially if you're planning or uh, you're ide- ideating on a specific topic that you want to turn into like a presentation or something like that. At some point, you do need to be able to put things in a particular order. So you will have to export as OPML. And typically, you want to do that before you start adding a whole bunch of information. Because if you have a really complicated mind map and you export it as OPML and you think that this is number one, this is number two, this is number three, but you haven't explicitly stated that inside of your mind mapping application, the OPML file that you get can be completely different than what you expect. And then you've got to spend quite a bit of time rearranging things. For sure. All right. So we've talked about why you might want to use outlining. Let's talk about some of the tools here. Now, obviously there's very basic tools. You could use paper pencil again. You could also use, like I put here, the plain old text editor. (laughs) But really, there's one tool that I would specifically recommend, and Brooks, you can chime in if you have any others, but uh, that is Omni Outliner. And this is expensive. It's $50 for the basic version, I guess, and then $100 for the pro version. I invested in the pro version a while ago, and I've just been doing the upgrade pricing ever since then. But the pro version is pretty powerful. So some of the specific features that the pro version has is workflow automation. So all of the Omni group applications, the pro versions, you can use Apple scripts to control those programs. It also has row linking for cross-reference. So that means that I could say that this point up here on line 12 actually relates to this point way down here on line 112. And I can link those together in my digital tool It's also got a lot of different styling and formatting, which I use all the time when I do presentations. Now, I actually have a second monitor now for when I do uh, the webinars, but I I didn't always used to. So what I would do, because I didn't have that screen to the right showing me what the next slide was going to be, in my outline, I would highlight the points where I would need to advance to the next screen after I was done with that point in green. Sorry, I'm I'm sitting here laughing, trying to imagine doing a webinar or something like that without a second monitor. I feel so bad for you. I know, right? Good solution, but, though. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you can use the formatting to to do a lot of different things. But that was one big pain point. I was like, well, how do I solve this? You know, I don't have a second screen that I can look at. 
So I would highlight those rows in, in different colors. So I would know that this is where I wanted to flip a slide. I'll also highlight them in different colors. For example, where I want to stop and ask a question or get feedback, you know, those types of things. So a lot of different things you can do with the styling and the formatting. And then also the pro version offers truncated row text. So basically what this means is that if you've got a paragraph of text for one of your points inside the outline application, you can make sure that that is truncated. So you just see the beginning of it and you don't see all of it until you explicitly expand it to see all of that text. And that gives you more context because you can see it within the scope of the rest of your outline. Yeah, I think I think on Mac, Omni Outliner is definitely the gold standard. Uh, I believe on Windows, a lot of people would use OneNote for that. OneNote, as far as I know, has very powerful outlining capability. So a lot of people use OneNote for outlining as well. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, OneNote, I believe that is, is is that a free application now? Uh, I think it comes with Office 365 or Office. So if you have Office, you you have OneNote on Windows anyway. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's that's something that uh, if you are invested in Office 365, I know I've heard a lot of people inside the dojo, for example, mention that they use OneNote instead of something like Evernote. Yep. So I've heard a lot of great things about that application, but I'm not a PC guy, so I, I can't speak to that. So really the summary here for when to use outlining over mind mapping, the big takeaway here would be that if your data has to have a certain ordering, So if the order is important or there is a very linear flow, then it probably makes sense to use an outline. Uh, If you need to really drill deep into very fine levels of details with a large number of small points, then an outline probably makes sense. Uh, If you need any of the features that only outliners can provide, like I mentioned, the row linking and advanced styling and formatting, the truncated row text, that sort of thing, then an outliner probably makes sense. Otherwise, I think mind maps are probably the main driver when it comes to ideation, especially when you need that flexibility in representing nonlinear data or when you want to represent a good overview if you want to get a, a top-level view of, of the entire project or, or all the different related ideas. Yep, that sounds good. I'm definitely team mind map, but outliners for sure have their have their purpose. Awesome. So there you have it, our breakdown of the advantages and disadvantages of mind mapping and outlining, as well as some of the best practices and use cases for when to use which. And as I said at the beginning, this topic actually came from the dojo. So if you want to join other like-minded achievers and chime in on the Productivity Center discussion, we would love to have you. In fact, there's a special offer just for podcast listeners. The dojo is currently closed to the public, but if you go to theproductivityshow.com slash dojo, You can get access and your first month is only $1. So for only $1, you can get access to the private Slack team, the library of productivity courses, and access to the Asian efficiency team so we can help solve your specific productivity problems. And you can also find links to everything that we discussed in this episode in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 131. So thanks for joining us, everyone, and we'll talk to you all next Productive Monday.